Welcome to Women in Worldviews. It's just me on this episode. I recently had the chance to see the new film, Alien Covenant. As a lifelong fan of Ridley Scott's Alien franchise, indeed it has spread over my lifetime since 1979, I am here to talk through the ways in which women and biblical themes tie into this latest film. I am a biblical scholar with an interest in gender studies, so I am inclined to see such things, and herein are my thoughts. Covenant is the sixth film in the series. I'm not counting Alien vs. Predators, although they're good, but four films follow a chronological sequence. Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. Prometheus comes along in 2012. It's a loose prequel, followed by Alien Covenant, which is the sequel of Prometheus. So I want to begin with Prometheus, since this is where it all started. Prometheus assumes that an extinct race of giants, called engineers, are plotting to wipe out Earth with a bioweapon. Elizabeth Shaw is the protagonist, an archaeologist. She discovers a star map in ancient caves all over the world. The Wayland Corporation is sponsoring a team of explorers to follow the star map. It includes humans and one android named David, played fabulously by Michael Fassbender. The humans think that perhaps this map leads to our creators at a moon, only to discover that the engineers were on this moon to create this bioweapon. And the very bioweapon the engineers wanted to release on Earth got to them first, it seems. One engineer is left. When asked questions about why they created us, the answer is no answer. The engineer continues to pilot the ship to Earth. In the process, he rips off android David's head. But as we know in this franchise, a beheaded android can still continue to exist. And indeed, David does. But in the face of such questions of our existence, the answer is destruction. I am reminded of when God shows up in the book of Job, Job receives no answer for his chaos. And in chapters 38 to 41, God simply relates to humans by explaining that it is a chaotic world. Take Leviathan in chapter 41, the primordial ancient sea serpent of watery chaos. This massive Leviathan scares even the gods when it raises itself up out of the deep, yet it is merely a plaything for the Almighty. I see how the aliens move like the Leviathan. On Earth, it has no equal. And the Leviathan existed since the beginning of time, too. It seems that the engineers really not are the god figures. It seems they couldn't control the alien like God could control Leviathan in Job 41. The end of Prometheus leaves us with questions that the faith of the protagonist Elizabeth Shaw particularly asks. Shaw grows up the daughter of a Christian missionary and holds onto a cross necklace throughout the film. Did the engineers really create us? And if so, who created the engineers? And after creating us, did they want to begin again so they created the alien to wipe us out? Did they create the alien? What happened to the engineers? Why did they want to destroy us? When I saw Prometheus, I couldn't help but relate the giant engineers to the Nephilim in Genesis 6. Don't let anyone tell you they completely understand what these heroes of old really are because no one knows for sure. A race of giants said to exist prior to the flood that we know. But it wasn't the existence of Nephilim that God is upset about. According to Genesis 6 verse 11, it was violence and corruption that led to God's decision to wipe out humanity. 
Other fans of Prometheus have seen this connection to the biblical flood, too. Now we have all these existential, primordial, and spiritual questions about our relationship with our creator, and if we're living up to our purposes, I finally turn to Covenant. Prometheus ends with Elizabeth Shaw and the decapitated android David, a sinister android with alternative motives, leaving the moon in an engineer ship. It's part of this franchise to leave us wondering which android is bad and which android is good. But David and Elizabeth Shaw take the ship back to the planet that was inhabited by the people from which the engineers came. David releases the deadly alien bioweapon on the planet and wipes out every living thing in a matter of seconds. The destruction reminds me of Pompeii. Ten years later, in the year 2104, a colony ship known as Covenant is on its way to another planet. It intercepts a message that makes them think that there is even a better planet out there than the one they're heading towards. It's perfect, an Eden-like reference to a livable planet to colonize. The protagonist in Covenant, another strong female character, Danny Branson, disagrees with the acting captain about going to check out this planet they had just discovered. It's too good to be true. She's right, of course. It turns out David, for the past 10 years, was doing a little creating of his own, taking the alien bioweapon and studying it. When asked, what do you believe in, David? His answer is creation. Clearly, Alien Covenant is very blatant about its creation mythology. David created the perfect organism, just as humans created him. The only question that matters for Wayland is the question of the ages. Where did we come from? All this art, all this beauty, even all this chaos. We created androids. Who created us? The word covenant is in the title, so already the word conjures up one of the ancient Near Eastern notion of a treaty between two parties. In the biblical case, it is a covenant with God that permeates all of creation. It is a primary way in which God expresses God's relationship with and to humans. Biblically speaking, humans live out the covenant by exclusively worshiping God and fulfilling the purposes God sets out for humans. In return, God blesses humans. The crew on board of Covenant think that they are heading to a lush paradise. Instead, they land on a dark, dangerous world in which the alien has destroyed everything. And thanks to David, it has new dimensions. Indeed, Eden is just not possible anymore. It is a woman who asks the questions that permeate her reality. It is the first woman, after all, in paradise who engages in conversation about human nature. A man is silent. Of course I point to Eve in Genesis 3. But given the focus on female protagonists in the Alien series, I wonder what it is about being a woman, a woman who can live with both hope and destruction at the same time. To point to something biological, is it not the womb that creates both hope and sometimes, unfortunately, destruction? So perhaps women are best able to live with both life-giving and destructive forces beyond our control. Perhaps women are best able to determine. This is poignant in Prometheus, because Elizabeth Shaw can't have children, yet is impregnated with biological alien matter that produces an untraditional fetus, and she performs self-surgery and actually watches the alien come out of her body. But Ripley, in the first alien film, was a role originally written for a man, so no biological determinism for the female sex is reflected in the first film. 
She is not sexualized, nor is she in any way important for her biological abilities. This is what I like about Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver. Then Aliens come along in 1986, directed by James Cameron, and changes all of that by turning Ripley into a mother figure for the only survivor on a colonized planet, a girl named Newt. The famous line feminizes Ripley as well. Get away from her, you bitch. Ripley, a mama bear figure now, fights the queen alien to protect her cub. But in Alien 3, a nice return to some of the main issues, we have Ripley carrying the alien inside of her. There is this famous shot of the alien's slimy face brushing Ripley's cheek, but the alien doesn't attack Ripley. This is a stretch, I know, but I can't help but think of when Elizabeth in Luke 1 goes to visit Mary, mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth's baby leapt in her womb. It is an idea that these mama figures can carry the life inside of them that recognizes one another. Another Christian idea is that Ripley ultimately sacrifices herself for humanity in a Christ-like image at the end, so that the alien inside of her won't be released on the world. Fans have noticed an element of religious satire here. Ripley ends up on a planet with men, shaven head outcasts, kind of like monks, who have a serious religiosity about them, a prayer life and a structure. It doesn't matter in the end, of course, the alien wipes them out. The fourth film is called Resurrection. And now Ripley is herself part of the alien, raised up and attempted to be controlled by male scientists. Again, What is it about women's ability to create life throughout history that has scared men to the point of wanting to control the female body? Indeed, David manipulates Elizabeth Shaw's body to do atrocious things for his creation in Covenant. What is compelling about women in the Alien franchise is their fierce fight in the face of chaos. Back to the first woman in Genesis 3, women can reason. She knew she wouldn't die and she can assess situations. The fruit looked good. And thus humanity lives outside of a dull paradise and in a wondrous variation that takes knowledge of both the good and the bad. Like sci-fi is a genre, we understand that we have to ask the big questions. We are always wondering who we are, why we are here. The knowledge of good and evil is a part of who we are. And would we want it any other way? Finally, I can't help but notice the promotional poster art for Alien Covenant. It is so hauntingly like Frederick Hart's Ex Nihilo sculpture above the central portal of the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. Frederick Hart's Ex Nihilo is an image of a swirling mass of primordial cloud matter, the image of the deep in Genesis 1 verse 2, out of which humans are emerging. I have a link of the two images side by side. Frederick Hart's Ex Nihilo and the promotional poster from Alien Covenant at katherinelowe.com slash podcast. Ex Nihilo means out of nothing, and it is indeed nothing that Wayland discovers in Prometheus. He says there is nothing. And it is indeed nothing that the Covenant crew discovers on what seems to be an ideal planet. On the Covenant poster... Instead of the human emerging out of the primordial swirl of chaos, it's the alien who emerges, choking the humans. A beam of light envelops the creature. The alien is, not by any stretch of the imagination, the superior emergent creation. Given our need to dominate and colonize, 
Does the alien deserve to have dominion over creation instead of us humans? Did humans somehow mess up the covenant? Is there another superior life force over the alien? Or is it going to be a constant battle between alien and humans for control over the world? Is there some kind of beauty in all of this? Some dark beauty and comfort in the swirl of chaos and the lack of control? What does it mean to be human when so much destruction exists in the world? I do not have answers. Answers may not be found. But the Alien franchise asks the questions. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Women in Worldviews. I am your host, Dr. Katherine Lowe. Goodbye.